uh, hi friends um thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the adventist voice podcast so before we start this podcast i'll just pray Jehovah father in heaven thank you Jehovah father for this sabbath day that i just entered we want to discuss your word in the book of first samuel i pray that the holy spirit may open our inner eyes for us Jehovah my father to understand your word and to apply it correctly I want to understand, Jehovah my Lord, how you work in mysterious ways and how your ways are higher than our ways. I pray that for me and your listen, and the listener, Jehovah Lord, that you may open up our hearts to receive your word and that it may impact our lives and change us. For this my prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you. I've been away for a while and um, I'm now back. The last recording that I made was um, on March 20th. And since March 20th, I've been up and down. Uh, a lot of things have happened, but I'm very happy that the Lord has kept me and he has kept the fire burning in me to keep recording and to keep um, uh, preaching his word through this podcast, through this little, little, little ministry that I have. So I know um, it's been a while since uh, I put out an episode and he... Uh, the audience, I don't know whether the audience is still there, but if you're still listening to me, then thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. So today, um, I've, I've been just been thinking about um, some word of the Lord uh, to talk about and something to talk about and what topic to talk about. And this afternoon, I got a word uh, from the Lord and it was about you know how god does not use the means um that we think of how god will not you know use the means that we always think of to save us or to save a situation that we are facing you know sometimes you may be praying and sometimes you may be hoping that the lord will come through but already in your mind you're thinking about the tools or the possible avenues through which god can help you out let's say uh you are sick let's say you are very very sick and your health is failing you always think that somehow uh the only means that god can heal you is through the hospital or you know through other means you know through uh human hands it could be that you're facing very 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 hard or very difficult challenges in your life and already in your mind you already know like by the time you're praying you always have a solution or a probable solution in your head that you'd want um god to use like you have in your head um an avenue or a way in which you think uh, that god should use to rescue you out of that uh, dark pit that you're in but our god is 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 a mighty god our god is a mighty god he says that his hand is not shortened nor is he a dull so that he cannot save the Russians who are crying. And I think we as human beings, we are always funny in that we plan things in our head. You know, the Bible says in in Proverbs, I think, chapter 14, that um, the ways of man, they, they, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. Uh, there's a way that seemeth right unto you, but the end thereof is certain destruction. And uh, I think it is also in um, in Jeremiah, 
Uh, is it Jeremiah chapter uh, 29? No, I think it's Jeremiah chapter, I, I, I won't say which chapter, but uh, the book of Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful about, above all other things. There's nobody who can know it. And this evening, the message that I wanted to pass across is that God is not going to save you through the means which you have subscribed. God is not waiting to save you uh, through your input because, you know, we like like to meddle into things. We like to think that there's a there's only one way or two ways or only a few ways through which God can save us. But that often is not true. You know, God is going to find his own way to save us. And I think the person who saw this um, firsthand, for instance, was Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon? Uh, when Gideon, it, it had come at a point when um, Israel neighbors, I think it was uh, the Moabites, uh, were really, really oppressing the children of Israel. And the children of Israel cried out to unto the Lord, and the Lord came out to rescue them through the hands of Gideon. And when you read the story of Gideon, um, Gideon was a man, like he was the bottom of the barrel of a man. He, he came from the least tribe and from that least tribe he was also the least he came from the least of the least families and so nobody regarded um regarded Gideon if you had told an Israelite that uh they were going to be saved by the hand of Gideon they would have straight out laughed in your face you know and the same thing we see with the birth of Christ that Christ came out of the tribe of Judah, but from the from the town of Bethlehem, and I mean the town of Bethlehem. Before the book of Matthew, I don't I don't know that there are so many places in the Bible where the town of Bethlehem is mentioned. It means that it was very very insignificant, and that and the family of Joseph was among the least, you know, among the least in. In his clan and this is where christ comes and it really confounded the pharisees and the pharisees and the sadducees and the teachers of the law could not believe that the christ the messiah the king of israel apparently the king of israel that would save them from the hands of oppression of the the romans could come from such a low life family and so it was that was one of the reasons why it was very very difficult and very 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 hard for the children of Israel at the time of Christ to accept the message of Christ because Christ was very radical and, and he came from the lowest stock. I mean, when he was born, he was put in a manger. It means that he was the poor of the poorest. You know, when he goes to the temple, the mother had no, had nothing, you know, to give except two doves. They were among the poorest of the poorest. But God chose that humble family to bring the Savior into the world. And so it teaches us something that even in our personal lives, uh, we might have all these things that we think that the Lord is going to use uh, to rescue us. You know, when, when I think about the times that we are living in, the economic situation that you are facing, I mean, people are broke, like people are totally broke. And so in your head as a Christian, you're thinking that, God can only save me through giving me a job. Like in this tough economy, I hope that God helps me to keep my job. I hope that God, God, 
really helps my business to stay afloat because that's the only thing that you think God can use to to help you stay afloat in these difficult times. I mean, we are we are so limited in our thinking that we tend to limit God and we tend to limit what we think God can do. But I, I'm just going to read a story that is connected with this, and it is the first the book of First Samuel, uh, chapter thirteen from verse 16. So this was a time when Israel were going through a rough patch of their own. Their king was Saul and the Philistines had gained strength and so the Philistines were really, really harassing um, the, 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 the Israelites. And they, Saul, Saul at this point is a new king. He has not sat on the throne for long and already was facing headwinds with very hostile tribes from around. And so in this particular time, uh, the army has no has no weapons. Like you can imagine a, an army with no weapons. It was like it was like crazy, alright? But we are going to see how the Lord rescued the children of Israel from the oppressive hand of the Israelite the, the Philistines. So let me just read. It says that Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. So this was a war between the Philistines and the Israelites. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Ophra, to the land of Shoal. Another company turned to the road to Beth. Horon and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zaboim towards the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. So it means that the enemy had killed all the possible ways in which the Israelites could be saved. You know, in, in your life when you're facing the, tempt, the trials of Satan, you know, just like in the story of Job, Satan had made sure that he had devastated all the things that Job could have counted as helped. He killed his servants. He killed the sons and daughters of Job. Then he struck his property. All his property were wiped out. Then he struck the strength of Job, the bodily strength of Job. And so sometimes Satan can come with you know, all these trials and your life, all around your life, your business, your health fails, your family is in disarray, and everything just is just falling apart at once. And right before you, all the things that you had counted as your prop that could prop you in um, difficult times are wiped away. What if today you could just go to auctioned? You know, everything in your house got auctioned and then your wife left you and then your children were rebellious and then your health started failing you got cancer and all that you'd be devastated i mean you'd be at a point where you'd even be tempted to quit um you know worshiping god but and you know the children of israel at this point we just we just continue to read and it says that the Philistines had made sure 
that there was no person in the whole of Israel who could make swords or spears for these people. It means that they had wiped out and killed all the Philistines, all the all the blacksmiths. You can imagine. So that's that's the way that the enemy operates. The enemy wants to remove all 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 ways through which you can find help so that the, he can he can make your life as difficult as possible you know so the bible says but all the chi- the israelites would go down to the philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare his mattock his axe and his sickle so among the tools that are listed there there's none that can be used in war so all these are for agriculture so it means that the children of israel were under the rule of the philistines and one of the conditions was you cannot own a weapon you can only own um you know tools for agriculture and even these tools that you own for agriculture you have to bring them to us to sharpen them for you so it was quite a long journey going all the way to the land of the philistines to sharpen an axe you can imagine so the bible says that and the charge for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares the mattocks the forks and the axes and to set the points of the gods so it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash So now we go to first uh, Samuel chapter 14 and it says that it now it happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul and and said to the young man who bore his armor come let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side but he did not tell his father and Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibea under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron the people who were with him were about 600 men so these were about 600 men with no swords you know i don't know what they were holding in their hands but they had no swords so the children of philist the philistines are camp and camping on the other side all with great swords and with you know very menacing weapons but the children of israel are on this other side just holding their waists knowing not knowing what to do it was just a comical sight if you could if you could put it that way that these people are these people the children of Israel are depending you know you don't know even what they are hoping to gain you don't even know why they came to battle in the first place it's very it's very odd for people to come to battle without weapons in their hands but the children of Israel came maybe to save face so let's find out what happened Abijah, Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, uh, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. You know, the symbolism of... of of a rock is who is Christ so it means that while Jonathan is journeying to the territory of the enemy because of his faith he was flanked on both sides by Christ 
Amen. And so that is I, that is the symbolism that I see here. And the name of one, what was Boses, that is one rock, and the name of the other, Sene, the front of one faced northward, opposite Mikmash, and the other one southward, opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You know, Jonathan was a very good friend of David, and you can see easily why these two are friends. I believe that Jonathan and David were just not merely friends because they enjoyed each other's companies. It is because these men were men of faith. David was a man of faith, and Jonathan was a man of faith. And these people, you know, part of the same feather always flock together. It must be that they had recognized the faith of each other. They had a common interest in believing in God. These were men who really believed in God. Jonathan was of a different heart. You know, he was the son of the, of, of Saul, but this man was of a different heart. You know, he was made of a very different stock because Jonathan really loved David. I think they used maybe to share the word of God. These were friends, which were friendship, which was forged in in the in the in the fire and which was kept burning by the word of God, by their belief in God. You you can hear what what Jonathan is saying that it may be that the Lord will save us because the Lord is not restrained. He can either save by a few or by many, and I think that is one of the points that you usually miss when you are facing trials and temptations. We do not know how unlimited, how in, in, how omnipresent, how omnipotent our Lord sometimes is. We always pray, but in our head, we are always thinking of solutions. You know, when you are broke and you are praying to God to to provide for you your daily bread you're always thinking that god i pray that tomorrow you may find me work so that i may provide for my stomach sometimes god is just saying tomorrow i just want to provide for you food Some, sometimes he's just saying that because you're my child and you believe in me tomorrow somebody will just come along and will offer you you know food or we'll, sometimes tomorrow a neighbor will just come and feed you for the whole day. But you always don't believe in that. I remember, um, I know a testimony of someone. Uh, this is Walter Weith. And Walter Weith is a South African evangelist and is the president, I think, of uh, this organization called, uh, is it um, Amazing Amazing Facts? Yeah. Is it amazing facts or amazing dis discoveries? I think it's amazing discoveries. Africa, the president, and is 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 is, is, is um he preaches about prophecy. So um while he, while he was getting converted, you know, he, he started as a Catholic, then I uh, know he started as a Lutheran, then he became a Catholic, then he became an atheist, then he became a Catholic again. And then he became 
uh, as an Adventist. So while he was converting, because he was a professor of uh, zoology, and you know, zoology for you to be a professor in some of the top universities, obviously you'll have to be um, an evolutionist. And so he was an evolutionist. He did not believe in God. But once he started moving away from the belief, um, from the belief in uh, evolution as opposed to the belief in creation, once he was moving away from um, evolution uh, to start believing, um, to start believing in uh, creation, there was a lot of hurdles that was put in his way. There was a lot, of, lot, lot, lots of hurdles that were put in his way by the enemy. And some of those hurdles and some of those temptations included him losing his job, him losing his, um, his livelihood. And so it was a really difficult uh, period in his life. And so he says that uh, at one point he could not even provide for his family, he could not provide the bread for his family. And he remembers that those days when he, he would just pray with his family that, please God, give us the day, our daily bread. And miraculously, they would be provided by food. They would be provided food by unknown people who would just come and leave food at their doorstep such that they would wake up you know, the following morning and find uh, food in their doorstep then they would not um, they have never known who was supplying them with food and that's the same thing that happened with Elijah so it means that God is able to do all those things but we we either are limited in our thinking because we, we don't believe that God can save us through any other way except the ways that we always um, think in our heads and when we read, continue to read this story of Jonathan, we'll just continue to read and say, and it says, um, it says, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them unto our hand and this will be a sign to us. Amen. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they are hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and its armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them unto the hand of Israel. You know, when, when you think about this simple test that Jonathan uh, put or Jonathan uh, tried, it was a very simple test that either or, if they call, they call us to them, then the Lord has given us the, uh, as the camp of the Philistines. But if they say we are going to come up to you, then it means that the Lord is not with us. I mean, what, what if, 
mean in in my mind i'm thinking that what if it was me was jonathan and then i put up this test and then we show ourselves to the to the philistines and then the philistines are just staring at us you know nobody's moving an inch then what you know <laughs> so this, this is a really powerful test and sometimes when you are when, when you have such levels of belief in your heart you can even test god like that and say god if i go tomorrow to this office and knock if the boss comes and open the door for me opens the door for me and motions me in his chair then i'll know that you're with me and that i'm going to get this job but if the boss looks at me and then tells me to wait outside then i'll know that you're not with me and i'll not even wait outside i'll just walk out of that office and go home have you ever been so sure with the lord in that manner that the lord is directing your steps you know that the lord is directing your steps you know that your faith in the lord is unshakable such that you can test the lord in that manner and say if this happens then i'll know that the lord is with me that was that was the way that the children of israel some of the the fathers of faith that was how sure they were with the lord jacob did this several times you know i i remember in 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 the book of genesis when ja- jacob is journeying to to um to bethel to his father to his uh, uncle laban he gets to a point where he sees a vision of god and then he makes a promise an oath and he says to the lord that if you guide me safely to my destination and if one day i return to this place then i'll give you a tenth of everything that i have i'll tithe a tenth so it means that jacob was not going to just tithe but his tithe was tied to the promise that god would deliver him safely out of the hand of esau and deliver him back to to the land of his fathers and it it happened god kept that faith i don't know whether even in this case of of um of 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 Jonathan that after Jonathan had spoken that test whether he waited for the lord to say now go and see what will happen ahead no he just went now after saying well if the philistines call us then we'll know that they have been given unto our hand but if they, if we call them if they if they come to us then we will know that our camp has been defeated he just went he just went and it just happened that god was on this day using jonathan because you remember now you cannot use god god can use you you cannot use god god can use you so on a day that you have submitted yourself to god and on a day that you have surrendered yourself to be the vessel of god and to be the hand to be the instrument of god's use then god can either choose to use you or not sometimes god will not choose you sometimes he is going to choose you it depends on the task at hand and so on this day um jonathan was used by god you know to defeat a whole army he goes on to say then the men of garrison uh, and jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him and they fell before jonathan and as he came after him his amabera killed them the first slaughter which jonathan and his amabera made was about 20 men 
within about half an acre of land, and there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. You know, you can imagine what happened after. This was this was really God fighting. This was not even Jonathan fighting. This was the spirit of God fighting. Let it was like Jonathan was possessed, and he was swinging his sword here and there and killing people, and men were falling before him. And then it started to a tremor just started. You can imagine a tremor just out of nowhere, just started, and it was just an earthquake and confusion. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his Amabera were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here, for at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened, while Saul talked to this priest, that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. So Saul's men went to battle without any sword in their hands. And so it means that in that battlefield, each Philistine was fighting against a brother Philistine. You know, there was great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Bethaven. Amen. It is very interesting that I don't know while Saul was camping against the children of Philistia, what he was thinking. I, I, I don't know. They, only two people in that camp of 600 men had swords. It was Saul and Jonathan. And so the sword that saved um, the children of Israel that day was not even the sword of Jonathan. It was the sword of the Philistines. You know, God used the sword that was in the hands of the Philistines to defeat themselves. You can imagine... Like in your situation, you yourself, if you are really thinking that God is going to save you through the money in your bank account, if you're thinking that God is going to save you through insurance, if we are thinking that God is going to save you through the lands that you own, through the property or through your friends, you know, sometimes you may even be thinking that God is going to save you or save you out of that situation through your spouse the money that your spouse has or the bonds that you have or the shares that you have. We're always thinking about material things when you are thinking about the help that comes from God. But God works in mysterious ways. In the book of Isaiah, he says that you, you people just know that my ways are higher than your ways. And, you know, you cannot compare. So even in the things that you're thinking, sometimes what, what you need to do and that's why James is, is, is cautioning us that when you just when you pray, just say that, Lord, your will be done. Stop saying that, Lord, do this and this and this for me. How do you know that that's the way that the Lord wants it to be done? Just say that, Lord, this is my problem. 
you 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 save me in the best way that you can you save me in the best way that you can and the lord will surely surely come through for you the lord's ways are higher than our ways as the heavens are high above so are his ways above our ways you know i'm very sometimes i'm very very encouraged when i read uh, a verse like this knowing how tough it is uh, with me and sometimes i'm just sometimes i'm just saying that even this money that i was depending on which has failed it means that the lord was not going to use that money to save me and that's why it's it has not come through sometimes something that you are depending really depending on and praying and maybe maybe you are you are really praying that you, you don't lose your job you know and then you finally lose your job and so when you lose your job because you thought that you retaining your job was um a favorable answer to your prayer you thought that that was the way that god was going to answer your prayer by giving you a job or helping you keep it and and david david also saw this you know david david's first son with bathsheba died while a toddler and david really prayed for the for the baby to be saved from death and so he really prayed and fasted and fasted and he was really praying and so the only outcome that he was expecting was to be told that the baby ha is alive then you would have known you would have known that god was on inside but the baby died and so when the baby died now now david ate you know he dressed up and ate and you know the people are really shocked that when the baby was alive you were in sackcloth and you know doing all this but now when the baby is dead when you are supposed to be mourning you're not mourning in fact you are happy and you are going about your duties and david just surrendered and he said what the lord gave let the lord take away you know he just recognized that the lord had done what the lord was good at doing which is taking control and being god and and so let us not dictate in our heads surrender fully you know sometimes just surrender fully and see the the salvation of the lord this is the case with jehoshaphat in fact if you read the story of jehoshaphat the way the lord saved the children of israel in the hands of the jehoshaphat it was through singing they had swords at that time but it was through singing the children of israel when they conquered jericho it was not through fighting fierce battles it was fighting with the trumpets and marching you know probably the people of jericho are looking at these people and say why are these people marching around our city seven times a day every day you know these people must have looked at the children of israel and thought this is the maddest bunch of people i've ever seen but on the seventh day at the seventh march the wall started coming down and it is something that has never been replicated before so it means that the lord is able to save through means which he will devise on his own and not through our ways so let us be encouraged uh, brethren that when we pray let us god let us go before god with humility and let us um let god to do uh, his thing may you be encouraged by this word uh, i read from the book of um first samuel from chapter uh, 16 until uh, first samuel chapter 14 um until uh, verse 23 So that was my reading today and may you be blessed and may you be uh
uh, kept this Sabbath day. And until we meet again for the next next episode, uh, have a good night tonight because it's night here in Kenya. Um, and have a great weekend. Bye bye.